Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning. And today my guest is Jennifer Roick Francoli, who is an Alexander Technique teacher in Cincinnati, Ohio. She uh, teaches at the University of Cincinnati Conservatory of Music and at Xavier University. And uh, we're going to talk today about the general theme is new directions in Alexander directing, in particular about an interesting discovery that uh, Jennifer has made about um, Alexander directions, I think we could say. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hi, Robert. I'm just so happy that we get to talk about this. Thank you for inviting me. Excellent. Well, I've been looking forward to this as well because this all began uh, a couple of months ago in Chicago. We were both at the uh, uh, AGM of of, uh, AMSAT. and we were a, a group of us were having dinner at a at a kind of semi touristy restaurant. I'd like to say some some honky tonk dive, but wasn't yeah, it, it was sort of a, it was pleasant it was pleasant um, although that waitress was kind of snippy, but anyway, when, but the food was good the food was and the good. company was even better absolutely, and we were talking Jennifer and I were talking about negative directions and uh, which is a topic I tend to go on a lot about. And she, Jennifer, um, told an interesting uh, story about how she is approaching directions. And I think I, we, we're going to hear that story now. Yes, actually, I'm happy to talk about this because it's a story that happened about two and a half years ago, which has really shaped the the way that I've been thinking about teaching the Alexander Technique and practicing it for myself, it's made a huge difference in, in my life. So in a nutshell, what happened was that I have a student who, who had been coming for quite a while, and then she moved away. And after a year, she came back and just wanted to see me for a social visit. Uh, she didn't ask for a lesson. So we had tea and cake, and I was noticing that she was rather down the whole time. And she told me a little bit about why, but we didn't really get into too much of it. And so after we finished the tea, <laughs> I, I, th- I thought to myself, I'd really like to just give her a little bit of hands-on help before she goes out the door. So in the kitchen, I asked her if she'd like that, and she said yes, so... I stood next to her, ready to put my hands on, and then I had this epiphany. As I was looking at her neck, at herself, how her head and neck were arranged, Mm -hmm. I was thinking to myself, oh, you poor thing, you're so down, you're so tight, you're so tense. And I was feeling really sorry for my friend. And then I had this, this, just this realization, this flash came to me that, and it said, no, no, that's not the right way to go about this at all. And I realized, and then this thought came to me, no, she's free. She is free to be like that. And it is her, she's a free-willed human being. And this is how she is choosing to be, consciously or unconsciously, this is how she is choosing to be right now. So it introduced a huge amount of, respect and also just complete acceptance for where she was in that moment. And 
So then I put my hands on thinking, you are free. And it just changed the whole quality of the experience and the connection that I had with her. And, you know, I had my hands on for, for maybe just some seconds, maybe a minute or so, because we were in the kitchen and it was not about having a lesson. So, but the, that experience has stayed with me and I've been working through what happened ever since then. And it's been an amazingly incredible journey. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think what you said was that um, when you're working with a new student now, you might ask them if they believe they have free will, for example. Yes, actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is how I often start my lessons now. And this is such a, a rich topic for me. It's hard to even know how to, to begin to talk about it. But, well, you said it well. If I have a new student... Of course, every student is different, but very often I will start by asking the student, do you feel free right now? Mm-hmm. And even, actually, sometimes I, I changed this even yesterday where I might even start just by talking about what does the word free mean to you before I even ask that, because usually I have to go to that question next anyway. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so it opens up the space for the student to start thinking about what does it mean to be free? And what does it mean to me? And what is the, I often ask, what do you think the opposite of freedom is? Because sometimes ideas about freedom don't come that readily to some students. Mm-hmm. And if I ask, well, what is it if you're not free? What if you're in jail? What does that feel like? Then they can connect to the idea more easily. So then I'll get to this question, do you feel free? And then the student might say yes, and they might say no, or they might say, I don't really know what you mean. Or, so it generates a discussion about how the student feels. And then, so I, I, then after we have had that discussion, I'll set that aside, and I'll ask another question. And the next question is, are you free? I used to start with that question, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it was pretty rare that a student would actually understand what I meant <laughs> about the question, are you free? Which mm-hmm. was fine because that would generate its own discussion, but I'm finding that this order of questions is working better. Mm-hmm. So that, that brings up the discussion of what do these words, are you free, mean? And to me, it involves the verb to be, are you free? Mm-hmm. And free describes the state of being. And... Then, so we discuss that, and I point out the difference between feeling and a state of being, because any student is going to agree that feelings change. One day you feel great and up and happy, and you feel really free, and then maybe even the next minute something happens, and all of a sudden you have a startle response, and you're terrified, and you do not feel free. Mm -hmm. So everyone can agree that feelings change, they come and go, and they're unpredictable. But if I start talking to a student about this idea of being free, that this is something about your essential nature, then if I ask the student if they think they have free will, Mm -hmm. and if we put this idea of freedom in that context, then almost always a student will start to think about it in a way that they can answer, yes, I -hmm. do have free will. Mm-hmm. Now, not every student believes that, and not every student um, 
is at the point where they're ready to say yes. I've only had one student who really said no, and in that case, we just went on to, I went in a different direction, maybe did, maybe even didn't talk for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, and I've had maybe, I think, I, I have had two people that really reacted strongly to this line of thinking, but only two in two and a half years, and, and that's very few. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And there are many people who don't know. And to me, th- saying I don't know is an excellent answer. So I'm happy. <laughs> like, let's go with I don't know. That is great. I'm not even sure I know. So we can definitely find common ground there. Right. So for me, if somebody answers yes, I am free, I can, I can work with that in a, in a good way. And if they say I don't know, then we can work from this, um, this place of not knowing, which opens up all possibility which is what we're after. Right. So it's, it's working out really nicely. And, and so operationally, um, in terms of using that for, for a student to self-direct him or herself, I think that, that morphed into statements like, uh, my, yeah. <laughs> my neck is free or... Yeah so, yeah, so I have this whole series of questions that, of course, keeps changing, but it's pretty much going along a routine here. Um, which I said, do you feel free? And then are you free? And then once we come to some sort of understanding about either yes or I'm open to the possibility of yes, mm-hmm. then I'll ask, well, if we think of in terms of your essential nature, your essential being, being or possibly being free, mm-hmm. does your body, is your body included in the whole that is you? Mm-hmm. And then pretty much everybody will say, yes, my body is part of me. <laughs> so, right, yeah. So, so then I say, well, if you as a whole are free and have free will, does that include your body? Mm-hmm. And the student will usually say, yes. Maybe, I don't know, but that's fine too. Mm-hmm. And then I will say, well, here's the easy question. <laughs> is your neck part of your body? Mm-hmm. And the right. answer is always yes, <laughs> thankfully. Yeah. An easy one there. Mm-hmm. So then I say, well, if you are free and your body is free or potentially free, um, is, does that apply also to your neck? And then they will say yes. Mm-hmm. And then I will suggest that they can think I, well, first I suggest to think I am free. Mm-hmm. And that because we're always looking at the general first. Mm-hmm. That's, this is how I'm, I'm approaching all of this. That for me, going to the neck is too specific if I start there. So I'm starting with the entire whole person by going with this route of questioning. Mm -hmm. And then I get to the specific, finally, um, where the student could think, my neck is free, or Mm -hmm. the neck is free. Mm -hmm. And that's another topic, whether you say the or my. (laughs) But we'll leave that aside for today. Right. But yeah, so then we go to the neck is free. And for me, I just have to share that this... Every single time that we get to this point in a lesson, it's like a miracle for me. It's just, and I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> I get goosebumps because if I have, uh, very often when I'm, I'll talk about these questions without my hands on quite a bit. But sometimes, especially when it, we get to the neck, I will put my hand on very often at the head neck there. And it's often not feeling free under my hand there. Because also these types of questions are pretty confronting for a lot of people. So, but what's miraculous is that as soon as this student starts thinking 
the words, my neck is free. That neck feels free under my hand. And it's just amazing because it's instantaneous. And I always have to point it out to the student and just exclaim that this is why I love this technique so much. It is immediate. They might not feel it, but I can feel it under my hand. Incredible. Right. So, I mean, in the context of uh, sort of the background of Alexander self-directing in general, mm-hmm. and if we take the the neck, classic neck directions, I think at the at the, uh, at the, sort of the least effective version that I'm aware of is I am freeing my neck, mm-hmm. and that's been that's <laughs> largely been supplemented by I am letting my neck be free, which is a huge improvement. Yes, I agree. But still, um, assumes something that may not and almost certainly is not totally true, which is that people know how to let anything, certainly not letting their neck be free. Mm -hmm. So it makes an assumption that may not be true. And then with negative, the negative direction version, and this is the work pioneered by uh, Missy Vineyard about five or six years ago, I guess, uh, the, 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 the expression would be something like, I am not tensing my neck, mm-hmm. which uh, um, doesn't really assume anything that's not true. Everyone knows how to tense their neck, and pretty <laughs> much everyone knows what the word no means. Mm-hmm. But, of course, negative directions have that word negative in them. And some people, you know, are a little, uh, you know, it's got a bad press, negative directions. (laughs) And the formulation that you've arrived at, which, say, for the neck, would be my neck is free. Yes. I think I've been experimenting with that, and it works great. Oh, great. I'm happy to it hear that. It works great. Um, I do have one question about it, but I, but I mean, basically, it, it does the trick. Mm-hmm. And I think it has a lot in common with the negative direction in that it's a statement of intent, not a statement that I'm going to make this happen somehow. Mm-hmm. It's more, this is what I want, and body-mind Figure out how to bring it about. It's not yeah. my job. I'm, and I even sorry. Yeah, I mean, I'm in. I'm the guy in charge, and I'm delivering the message about what I want. But I am not suggesting in that that I personally am going to figure out how to do it. Yeah. I'm. I'm sort of outsourcing that to lower level systems in my body mind. That's how I see it anyway. And in that sense, saying my neck is free is not that different from I'm not tensing my neck. Mm -hmm. And in either case, or certainly in my experience with the negative version, I tell students, see, I don't go through all that initial dialogue that you do, which which, um, I I don't have the patience for it. (laughs) It's an option. (laughs) It's an option. I I just say, listen, I'm going to ask you to think something that may seem insane to you, but but just go ahead and play with it, and 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 pretty quickly, you know, they they will notice the effects, uh-huh. and um, so I just say, you know, just say to yourself, I'm not tensing my neck, or I often tend to start with the whole body. I'm not compressing myself, something like that, and I see it's not your job 
to figure out what that means or how it's going to be brought about. That is totally not something you need to worry about. But you do need to have some light attention on that intent. Yeah, and, and actually, yeah. I would go even a step further mm-hmm. to say that if I'm thinking I am free, mm-hmm. it's not only an, an intent, it is an intent, but it is also, in my view, a reality. I'm thinking of it in terms of the neck being free now already, despite how it might feel. So, And this is where I get so excited because... <laughs> The way I can use these words, I am free, are like a preliminary to add on any experience. So, mm-hmm. if I, so if my student says, I'm feeling really, really tight today and my shoulders are hurting and this and that, I might say, well, a way to practice with what we talked about is you can remember, I am free to feel tense and tight. And actually, my neck is free to do all this contracting. In fact, it's, it's because of my freedom that my brain can send messages to my muscles to contract. It's because of that freedom that it's doing that. So I can allow that. And I think, to me, it seems like an absolutely essential, necessary step to first, well, we know this as Alexander teachers. We, we accept the, the reality of how something is in the moment before trying to change it or fix it. So if you're allowing the neck to be tight and to feel that first, mm-hmm. then just by allowing that, it starts to unravel. And I think when the student is aware of that process coming from the reality of our freedom, then it's just instantaneous. And it does have to do with belief, but I, I think it's more than that. So you're, you're um, kind of your sense of the situation in terms of the freedom is is always there it just needs to be brought to the forefront it kind yes. of, it kind awareness of, is everything well and it kind of reminds me of um uh, i guess it's michelangelo have a block of stone and he would look mm-hmm. at it and he would see mm-hmm. david in there right, right. david was yeah. always there David is there. <laughs> He's there. <laughs> and it's just a question of uh, removing some stuff that's in the way. Mm-hmm. It's funny because my, my take on it, I mean, that's, that's a fascinating way to look at it. I tend to see it with a student as um, they ha- the ability to shed that extra stuff, that neg- the stuff that gets in the way, yes. is there. And... They just need to affirm what they want. I, basically, I want to get rid of that stuff, or they'll phrase it, I'm not tensing myself or not tensing my neck or, or whatever. So I see it, and I have a sort of a different, but I think highly related view of what the, of what the actual situation is. Mm-hmm. I think it, it comes down to what you're starting from. Mm-hmm. And I've also worked a lot with the so-called negative directions, and I, I have so much that I could say on that, but I don't know if we'd have time. <laughs> I have no idea how long we have here. Well, we can go, we can go a ways. Say, right. say a little bit about <laughs> your take of, of the sort of standard negative directions. All right. Well, when I have been working with them, 
I have found that they do work, and I like them a lot, and mm -hmm. I love Missy's, Missy's work very much. Mm -hmm. um, however, and I was even just brainstorming on this just this morning, I was realizing that for me, to think, for instance, I am not stiffening the neck. I am reminding myself of the concept of stiffening the neck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I actually want to remember the other part. I want to remember that my neck is free because I actually believe that that's the reality. And then I'm superimposing this idea of not freedom on top of something bigger. So mm -hmm. it, it's, I think that if we're coming from it using the negative directions, we're starting from an awareness of essential duality which is there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not denying duality. Duality is part of everything. Right. Um, but one could either start from that mm -hmm. or one could start from a sense of unicity or oneness or wholeness. And I think both ways work. It's just which way do you have more of an affinity with? And this actually... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's part of my huge interest in the Alexander Technique because, for me, it relates so much to spiritual traditions that I have come across. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and the, in particular, there is a, there's an Indian philosophy called Advaita Vedanta, which you might have heard of. Mm -hmm. yeah. there, there are two, actually. There's something called Advaita Vedanta, which is non-dualistic uh, philosophy. And there is dualistic philosophy, which is Dvaita without the A in front of it. Mm -hmm. And so this, it's, it really, really resonates for me with this topic uh, about freedom and um, duality and negative thinking and, you know, all these things. So I just love this topic. Um, you know, it's kind of, I think the difference is, to get back to the block of stone and the statue mm -hmm. inside it, you're more, you're more interested, or your approach looks at the statue first, affirms the statue, yes, and then the, whatever needs to bring the statue to the forefront comes out. Whereas I guess the negative direction approach is to look at the block of stone mm -hmm. and say, how can we get rid of some of this to bring out the statue? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've thought a lot about what you just said about negative directions. When you say I'm not tensing my neck, it's true, for sure, that you have to access a, a little bit that idea of tensing. And I think there may even be a little micro tensing mm -hmm. that goes on in order for you to access what it is you don't want. Right. And Which is actually the same as what I was saying, where if a student is feeling tense, to encourage the student to think, I am free to feel tense. Mm -hmm. So you are acknowledging that block of Right, right. Stuff. So I, that reminds me also, by the way, of Marge Barstow, who used to uh, sometimes say in front of a group, well, you know, sometimes I just feel like a good old slump. And she would go into a what to her probably uh -huh. seemed like a slump. To us, it was pretty subtle. <laughs> but And then she would say, but 
you know, after a while, after I might while. just get tired of that, and I might want to come back out exactly. of it. But it's so liberating to actually it's very liberating. allow yourself to exactly, yeah, to do something like that. Well, now, I uh, here's a question I have. Uh, the first question that occurred to me when I started experimenting with it, right after our conversation, <laughs> actually, uh, I thought, well, this this seems it seems to produce virtually the identical effect of the negative counterpart. But is that only the case because I've already experimented with the hmm, negative I've counterpart? I've wondered that too. Yeah, and <laughs> I don't know the answer to that because I haven't quite got to the point where I've been using the... Using the I'm kind of waiting to talk to, waited to, talk to you about it, um, well, to, using it with my that. students. But I have a feeling uh-huh. it probably will work just fine. Well, that is my experience. Yeah. That with a brand new student, I do this with brand new students who know nothing, mm-hmm. or or with students who know a lot, of course. Right. <laughs> but right. I can have a student come from off the street, and as long as they walk through the door, it means they're open to something. Mm-hmm. They're open, or they wouldn't walk through the door. So we're already at an advantage. <laughs> right. So they come with some open-mindedness, and then if. I can have them start thinking for themselves from the very beginning, Mm -hmm. then even if the person is very mistrustful, which sometimes they are, they don't have to trust me. They are just going, they they do trust me because I'm in that role of authority, but it, it diminishes my role of authority if I'm actually asking them a question and I'm not imposing a right or wrong answer, we're exploring their own ideas about it. Like, what does free mean to you? And they might have very different words from what I might have, but then I can introduce some of my own so it becomes an exchange. And then we can find common ground in a a common language. And so when we're starting from that, it's already something that they are starting to believe in themselves because it's their own language. And so... It, it does. As soon as they believe the words, I am free, or at least they're open to the possibility that it might be true, and they think those words, just mm-hmm. that fact of thinking them has an immediate effect, and it's just unbelievable. It's, See, it's I, w- I would be curious to know if you could bypass all of that and just go to I am free. And yeah. and just you know, just preface it by saying this may not mean anything to you, but just uh, j- just let's just explore it in, in a way that we can test it pretty quickly. We could do that. I I think that would work perfectly fine. I I would love to hear your well, <laughs> your your experiences with that. I, t- I tend I- to I tend to want to get students into an exploratory experimental mode right away. <laughs> Almost well, everyone's got their, their different styles, of course. I mm-hmm. think part of the reason that I like to go this route is, first of all, my nature. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's my temperament. It's my personality. Right. Uh, but I also would like my students to really understand what this is about intellectually because, and I know that's not absolutely necessary, maybe, but I want my students to be able to understand it well enough to then be able to reproduce it on their own mm-hmm. so that they don't ever feel, it, it, this is impossible, but ideally <laughs> that they would never feel that they needed 
some authority outside of themselves to be teaching them so that they don't become right. dependent on my guidance, my touch, my whatever. That's why it's so important to me because I've seen so many times when a, a student can get dependent on their teacher and need the hands-on. You know, throughout the day, we don't have a teacher going around with us all day. So right. the hands-on for me is it's a, a huge help when I'm teaching, but right. I want my student to be able to practice what we're doing in the very first lesson that very first day when they walk out the door. Yeah, I, me, me too. And I don't usually give the explanation about, say, why negative directions work right away. But mm -hmm. when I do, um, I just say it's, it's basically saying to yourself, when you say something like, I am not walking as a negative direction mm -hmm. while you're walking. I actually do use that type yeah. of negative direction. And you ju Great. it's just saying, um, body, mind, uh, figure, I'm not, quote, walking. I'm not, unquote, I'm not walking the way I habitually do. Figure out a better way. And then the student that yeah. wants to really think about it deeply needs to start thinking about, well, who is this I that is not walking? If they want to get, <laughs> if, if they want to go in at that level, yeah, they do. Right. But so what would be your, um, what would be a version that you might use for something like that that is the, the positive statement? I am walking freely, maybe, or something like that? I am free to walk. Oh, I am free to walk. Okay, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. I th I think that this, um, I think at some point, maybe in a few months, we should do a follow-up conversation on this. Yeah. Because uh -huh. Yeah, I'd love to and we'll get some. Well, I'm going to put it out there to teachers or students who are listening. Um, experiment with these ideas. They're incredibly simple. There's a ton yeah, of material right. on negative directions, podcasts on that, and this will point to those and this this new development of yours is actually very easy to test i mean it's not it, it, it's it's not rocket science and it'd be yeah. nice to get some feedback from other people and then perhaps we could come back in a few months and see see what's what's come out of it that would be great i would just give the caveat that I do think that really thinking deeply about the meaning of the words is essential. And I tell my students mm -hmm. this because if you're just thinking, I am free, mm -hmm. well, I just did it right now and my neck is tight, you know, I'm free <laughs> without any meaning behind it. Mm -hmm. And so, and then the other thing is that in practicing this process, I, I like to remind my students that they can add on all kinds of things. So for instance, I am free to feel X. I'm free to think X, I'm free to experience X, I'm free to want X, and I'm free to be X. I'm free to accept the universal good that's yes. flowing into my life exactly. at this very moment. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. I think that I, th I really want to hear from listeners about this one because I think this is, you know, I, my personal view of what's going on in the Alexander Technique right now, we're talking... Uh, September 2013 is that we are in the golden age of Alexander Technique direction technology development and that we stuff is kind of new ways of of putting Alex getting Alexander's ideas across and implementing them are, are coming kind of fast and furious 
And I think it's it's a wonderful time. And of course, there's resistance to it in some quarters, and that's to be expected. But you know, the proof is always in the pudding. These things can all be tested. They're not. They're not. not, They're not at all mysterious, abstract notions that someone tells you is the way to go, and you might spend ten years before you discover it doesn't work. It might take you a couple of minutes to discover it works or doesn't work. Right, and everyone's free to think what they think about all of this. Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. And to try it or not try it. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I think this is maybe where we should bring our conversation to an end, unless there's something else you want to add. don't think so. I think uh, it feels whole right now. So, <laughs> well, excellent. I really, really appreciate your talking about all this. And, and oh, this especially is... what I appreciate is that you have been willing to just give it a try from the very beginning. On the so... way home from the restaurant. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much because so... your your openness also encourages me, and and I really, yeah, that's a, that's well... a great. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you for that. Let me just close by saying that uh, my, my my guest today has been Jennifer Roig, Roig <laughs> Francoe. Very good. Um, that's not the last name I got sort of right. <laughs> Uh, who's an Alexander Technique teacher in Cincinnati. Uh, if you're, if anything we've been talking about interests you uh, and you live in the Cincinnati area, uh, get hold of, of Jennifer. We'll put a link to her website by the, by the interview. Also put a link to a website that uh, will, tells you more about the Alexander Technique in general and will enable you to find a teacher anywhere in the world. And I think I'll also put a link to a page of podcast interviews on the general topic negative directions. And I suspect I'm going to need to create a new page for something. I have to give it a new name. I have to figure out what to call it. Um, and so you can you can go and take a look at what's, what's going on with these developments and start experimenting uh, on your own. And please give Jennifer and or me feedback on what you discover yes i would love that and uh, you can contact her through her website and i'll put a link to my website there too okay uh jennifer thanks so much for being on the show today thank you so much robert and i wish you a wonderful day and everybody else listening absolutely (laughs) take Take, care take care